throughout the history of the church of Jesus Christ. And going back into uh, the early church in the New Testament period, and even further back into the Old Testament, the 46th Psalm has been a source of consolation and encouragement for the redeemed people of the Lord in various ways and in various types of difficulty and throughout their struggles. During the years of the Protestant Reformation, it was Martin Luther who turned himself continuously to the Psalms for comfort in his times of difficulty and in standing for truth, in standing for the Word of God, in preaching the gospel, he was met with much trouble indeed. And specifically, he looked to this particular psalm, the Psalm 46, his companions and himself, while there was a boldness for God, they did at times become downcast with all the trials that they had to face. And it was times like these, in times like these, that it was said that the great reformer went to his colleague, Melanchthon, and he said, Come, Philip, come and join me, and together we will sing the 46th Psalm and let them do their worst. And they sang together that version that was penned by Luther. Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never feeling, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work his woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel heed on earth is not his equal. He went on to write, And though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. And it has been referred to as the battle hymn of the Reformation. A number of theories have been set forward as to its origin. Some say it was penned in 1527, as Luther faced one of the greatest difficulties in his life as the Black Plague spread across Europe, as he faced trials about his own son's health. Others say it was penned around the time that one of his colleagues was executed. But whatever the reason, it was clear that this psalm itself was a great encouragement to Luther and to others in their work for the Master. And in the opening verses of this psalm, we have the language of faith in times of trial. It is a psalm of consolation. It is a psalm of comfort. And here we see the marvelous working of God being praised as He protects and as He preserves His people. You'll notice three divisions within this psalm. We have one in verse 3, we have one in verse 7, and then at the end of the psalm itself, that little word, selah, which means to pause, to think upon, to meditate. And as we have these three verses before us, we have that word selah. Let us pause, let us consider these verses, let us meditate upon them. Maybe if we meditated upon them in the way that I set forth in the Bible class earlier, uh, I wouldn't have to preach. We could just sit here thinking upon this psalm and these verses, and uh, it would uh, give my ankle much rest. Someone suggested uh, that I have a stool up here to lean upon or to sit upon, but I think I move about too much that I'll end up falling. Uh, but there's quite a few men here. I'm sure that if you all came together, you could help me and pick me up if I did fall. Uh, but uh, we are preaching tonight. Uh, we're not sitting down quietly meditating. And there are a number of thoughts here that I want us to consider. And I trust that 
as we look at these things, that the Lord will encourage us, and the Lord will speak to us, and He will challenge our hearts. And very simply, I want to take as the title, God is our refuge, or the believer's strength and refuge. God is our refuge. That's the great theme that we have here. Verse 1, God is our refuge. There are a number of thoughts I want to leave with you. Firstly, uh, we see in the first verse our personal experience of trouble. Our personal experience of trouble. The psalmist says, God is a very present help in trouble. And there's that little phrase at the end, that little word, trouble, that I want to focus on just briefly. When we think of trouble, we often think of many things. We think of distresses. We think of trials that come upon us. We think of difficulties. And when I think of the word trouble, I think of the troubles. And the troubles with a capital T. A period in Northern Ireland where there was great division politically. There was much violence. It's referred to as the troubles. Uh, we can think of troubles in our own life and things that have pressed sore upon us and things that have brought us down. And the psalmist here is speaking about that. He experienced trouble. And when we look at the Word of God, we find saints of God through every testament, through every generation, and what did they experience? Trouble. When we think of the apostles, what did they experience? Great joy, they enjoyed the presence of Christ, the presence of the Spirit of God as they labored for Him. They saw a great blessing, but what did they experience also? Trouble. And we are not immune to trouble within our lives. Job tells us, man is born unto trouble. And how true that is if we turn in the Word of God to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2. And the verse 22, here we have these words, what, For what hath man of all his labor, and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun, for all his days of sorrows, and his travail grief? Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. And here we have that sentence in Verse 23, for all his days are sorrows. And how true that is of us. We may have our joys. We may have our happy times. But each day do we not face sorrow? Do we not face trouble? It is a reality of life. And dear believer tonight, we can look at that. We can see in what the psalmist is saying here, our personal experience of trouble. Because we've all experienced it. We've all had afflictions. We've all had distresses. It is something that happens. There are those today who say that if you trust Christ, all will be well. If you trust Christ, well, you can have, uh, uh, you can have that mansion to live in. You can have that uh, pool in your yard. You can have uh, everything you wanted, that car, that money, everything if you trust Christ and look to Christ because God will give us all that we desire. Think of the prosperity gospel in that regard. But there's trouble. Even the saints of God face trouble. Job was a godly man. 
Job was a faithful man. But what did he face? Sorrow, troubles. But yet, he never took his eye of his God. When we think of trouble, there are a number of causes of such trouble. Sin. Sin leads us into trouble. When we think of sin, the fall of man is the epicenter of all the trouble and all the conflict that we have in this world. Our trespasses, our sins, as well as a result of the fall, cause trouble. Sin leads to trouble. If you break the law of the land, if you decide, well, the speed limit on Deerfoot is too slow, 100 kilometers an hour, a tortoise can walk faster than that. I'm going to drive. My car can do 200. And you go up Deerfoot, as some people do, well, you're going to find trouble. If the police are there, you're going to be in trouble. And the same is true. Whatever law of the land that we have, if you break that law, if you steal, if you murder, there will be trouble. And when the law of God comes into view, that law that applies to us all, there is trouble. It leads to problems. Not merely trouble with God, we'll come to that in a second, but troubles in your life. Sin is something that destroys Sin is something that is against God Himself. And the Catechism reminds us into what a state did the fall bring mankind. The fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery. And it goes on to say that all mankind, all of us by their fall lost communion with God, are under His wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself and to the pains of hell forever because of sin. And what does sin do? Sin separates. It separates between you and God. The wages of sin, the Scripture says, is death. And so, therefore, sin leads to trouble with God. It leads to trouble in eternity because there is no salvation for those who are in their sin. And tonight, what of yourself? Is sin causing trouble within your life? Physical trouble, temporal trouble here in this world? Oh, how many engage in sin. And there are results of sin, the pleasures of sin, yes. They last but for a season. For the twinkling of an eye, they will disappear. And what is left is the consequences of sin. I've spoken to many, and their lives have been destroyed by addiction to sin. Addiction to sin, utterly destroyed because of sin. Sin brings forth death. When we think of trouble caused by sin, God is the answer to that. For God sent His only begotten Son into the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Christ the Savior is the great answer to that trouble that we find ourselves in because of sin. We're to look to Christ. We're to look to the Savior. We're to believe upon Him. Do you believe in Christ? Do you look to Him who is the glorious Savior? Is your hope in life and your hope in eternity fixed upon Him who died upon the cross of Calvary and rose again? He is the great answer to trouble, the great answer to trouble. But oh, dear believer, how trouble can come upon us because of sin. 
because of failing to obey the law of God, for failing to follow what God lays out in His Word, and troubles and trials come upon us because of that. Oh, let us take care of trouble because of sin, but there's trouble because of self, and that's connected to that. We can go fall into sin ourselves, but sometimes we can lead ourselves into trouble and anguish. When we think of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they were downcast, they were discouraged, the Savior had died. And who comes alongside them but their Savior, who rebukes them for failing to understand the great purpose of His coming? And that failure led to a sorrow and a sadness, but the Savior opened the Scriptures, and He encouraged their souls. They were in trouble. They were facing anxiety, and they were downcast because they looked not at the great truth of Christ coming into this world. They failed to believe it. They had unbelief. The great source of trouble is Satan. Of course, this is connected with sin, but when we think of Martin Luther, Satan was causing trouble in the world. He was causing trouble in the church. He was blind in the eyes. And the work of Satan, it leads to trouble. It leads to division. It leads to sin. It leads to death. Oh, how Satan seeks to hinder and destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And we must, as believers, be careful and aware of the trickery of Satan, as the Word of God tells us, the wiles of the devil, as he seeks to work his plan, as he seeks to hinder. Praise God, he's a defeated foe. But he's a real foe. He's a real foe. We face trouble, too, because of what we believe and what we stand for. When we think of Martin Luther, oh, how true this is regarding himself, how he stood for the truth and how he faced hardship. We can think of other men, William Tyndale, who desired the English people to have the Word of God in their own language, to read it in their own language, to have the wonderful words of life available to them in their own home not through the priest, but in their own home. And what did it cost him? It cost him his life, and others as well. Others as well. We can face troubles because we love the Lord. We can face troubles because we are unashamed of the gospel of Christ. We can face trouble because we desire to serve God and to follow in His ways. We also have the troubles of life, the troubles of life. Oh, how sorrow and difficulties can overcome us. And the psalmist here is speaking about that trouble. And he paints in verses 2 to 3 an image of great trouble. He says here about the waters roaring and being troubled. They rage, they boil up. That's what that word trouble means. He's speaking about great events that will change. The mountains will shake. We see in verse 2, the mountains being carried into the midst of the sea. If the Rocky Mountains suddenly found themselves in the midst of the sea, we would have a problem because we're so far inland. Oh, the great trouble there would be. 
And here the psalmist is speaking of things that are life-changing and earth-changing, things that are troublesome. He's dealing with the strength of trouble. This trouble is strong. It's getting greater. He's comparing it to these great geological events and how they would change the earth and how they would change our lives. Oh, the great trouble there is. But he says, Therefore will not we fear, though these things happen. Why? Because God is our refuge, and God is our strength. And in this trouble, God is present, and He is our helper. Child of God, we do have personal experience with trouble in many ways for many reasons. Often we can be downhearted and discouraged. But the psalmist doesn't necessarily mention these events negatively, but he mentions them positively in light of who God is. He's not coming here and saying, well, there's troubles and this trouble and this trial. But he's saying that there is a very present help. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our help in these negative things. Oh, how there's a wonderful positive here, and how his approach is simple, because God is these things. We do not have to fear, though these events take place. And dear believer, whatever the trial is within your life, whatever the hardship, whatever the difficulty, it is not above God. It is not something that has control of God. It is not something that God has attempted to control, and it has just marched regardless of the power of God. Trouble can't do that, because God is in control, because God is the great creator and sustainer of this world. And this brings us into our next thought, our firm belief in God. If God is our refuge and our strength, yes, we will have a personal experience in trouble. That is to be expected. We know that but we have a firm belief in God. A firm belief in God. This psalmist is reminding us that God is sufficiently able to protect His own people. He's sufficiently able to be our refuge, and that we can expect it. He is our refuge. God is our refuge. God is their refuge. God is a refuge for some people. That's not what the psalmist says. God is our refuge. The psalmist is speaking on behalf of the people of God. He's speaking from his own experience as a believer and one who knows the Lord. And he's saying, God is our refuge. He is our strength. And this is a glorious declaration of who God is to them, of who God is to His precious and redeemed people. And dear child of God, when we face trouble, let us not forget let us not forget God. Let us have that firm belief in Him and that firm belief in who He is. How often troubles and trials can come upon us, and we can wonder, where's the exit? Or they come upon us like the ocean, and we wonder, where's the surface? Where's the surface? I remember with uh, the young people in uh, the church I attended as a teenager— 
I was about 18 years of age, and it was actually, I think, all my fault because I was on the youth committee and I actually planned this. Uh, but we went and we engaged in water sports and we went banana boating. And so I was, I think I was on the back of the banana boat and the boat was bouncing all across the river and the guy was turning and we were falling off and jumping back on. And uh, on one turn, I was doing quite well, actually. Someone was, well, way behind us and they didn't last long. And the driver of the boat turned suddenly to throw us all off and I fell off and my friend in front of me fell off and his knee, I think, hit me right in the face. And I felt the pain, I felt darkness, and about half an hour later, I remember waking up and looking, I was in the water, it wasn't half an hour later, it felt like it, and I saw all these legs, and the legs of everyone who'd fallen into the water, I saw the banana boat, and I thought, I'm underwater, I gotta, I gotta swim. And I never opened my eyes in water, um, but that's what happened then, and I began to move my arms, but nothing was happening. And I thought, I'm going to drown. Nothing's happening. And I'm moving my arms up, or trying to move my arms up and down. And with the pain of my head, it didn't feel like that was actually happening. And I began to worry. I began to panic. And eventually, I, I broke the surface. And I looked around, and nobody was panicking. I felt I'd been gone for ages. Nobody was panicking. And I'd fallen off, and within, I think, a few seconds came back up. But for me, it seemed like a lifetime almost. And being in that water and having it over me, it just seemed to surround me. There seemed to be no exit. My arms were moving, but it didn't feel like it. And I remember the guy trying to start the boat again to get going, and I'm trying to swim over to him. And I got into the boat and just, just collapsed. And my head was sore all day. I probably had a concussion. should have went to the hospital. Uh, but back in those ancient times, uh, nearly 20 years ago, you didn't bother with such things. And I think I turned out okay. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't a nice experience. But we can feel like that. We can have the water around us. We can be surrounded and immersed in it. All our troubles around us, and we're trying to move, and nothing seems to happen. But we are to remember this, that God is our refuge, that He is our help, that He is our strength, that in that trouble, He is with us. And we're not to forget that. In fact, when we face trouble, we should not feel like it surrounds us because God, our refuge, is our first stop. And when the trouble comes upon us, upon us, where are we? We are with our refuge. We're safe. Safe with Him. The people of God here were looking to the Lord, but how often men look elsewhere for their help and strength in times of trouble. Men look to money. Men look to their own strength. Men look to whatever they can muster to help them. They look to other religions. They look to other faiths, but they do not look to the God of heaven. And dear believer, in our times of trouble, do not forsake the Lord. This psalm reminds us that we are not left to ourselves in trouble but God is with us. I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I think I have preached on this passage here before. But I want you to notice something. I think we'll move back to chapter 17 in just a moment. 
But we find the nation of Judah, and a great multitude comes upon them, and they are facing trouble. Trouble with a capital T. Trouble was coming upon them. And the king stands before the people and before the Lord, and he looks to the Lord. He says, verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? And he moves on, and we won't look at that, but he praises God, and he remembers what God has done in the past. He's acknowledging who his God is. Trouble is coming upon them. An enemy, and the enemy's, knee, the enemy's aim was not to come into the houses and have a cup of tea and a cookie. The enemy's aim was to rule them, to destroy them. And they come before the Lord and they acknowledge who God is. They do not forget their God. And you will say, well, that is true because they were helpless. They were helpless. Were they helpless? Humanly speaking, I don't think they were. If we turn back to Second Chronicles chapter 17, Second Chronicles chapter 17, we see in verse 2 that this king Jehoshaphat placed forces in all defense cities. He said garrisons in the land of Judah. If we move through this passage in verse 12, we read about castles. In verse 13, we read about mighty men of valor. And then we read numbers. 5, 10, 20? No, hundreds of thousands. And I did a quick calculation. My math is not the best. Not far off, one million is mentioned here. Mighty men of valor, we see in verse 14, 300,000, and there's many hundreds of thousands more in those other verses. Soldiers, fighters, defenders, mighty men of valor. The combined Canadian Armed Forces only has no more than 100,000, including the reserves. The American Armed Forces with reserves comes to about 2 million or so, if we're to trust Wikipedia. And here they have not far off a million. Jehoshaphat was not a helpless king. He had made preparation for such an event as this. And that's important. We'll come back to that in a moment. He made preparation for such an event as this. But what does he do? Verse 12. He has his army. He has his mighty men of valor. But verse 12, it says, O our God, will thou not judge them? Chapter 20, verse 12. For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. He's saying, we haven't a clue what to do. We don't know what to do. Despite his preparation, despite the mighty men of valor, he did not know what to do. He was helpless. And he looks to the Lord because ultimately every one of his soldiers, every defense he had was useless if God was not with him. He was right to defend himself. And dear believer, how do we defend ourselves against trouble? By through the means of grace, through prayer, through the Word, through the preaching of the truth, through that close relationship with God, that we're, we know God, we communicate with God, we are in touch with God through His Word and through prayer every day, not just days in which we have troubles and trials. 
We're learning our relationship, our walk with God is growing day by day, and that's important. How do we face trials? How do we face hardship? Well, we need to be close to God. We need to be close to God. I sprained my ankle about three weeks ago very badly. I couldn't walk for several days. How did I survive? I couldn't make food. I couldn't even make a cup of coffee. It would be very difficult trying to hop across the house on one leg carrying a cup of coffee and my one leg supporting all of my weight and a floor that I could slip and slide on and cats to trip over. It wouldn't have ended well. I did fall a few times and it was difficult. And I did fall and needed need help. And my wife came and helped me. She made coffee. She made food. I think I owe her, I owe her, I think, cooking for the next year because of all the help. I wouldn't have survived without that help. And how true it is with us when we have hardships and difficulties. We may have prepared and we may have uh, that close relationship with God. Yes, but then we need to use it when we need to look to Him. We need help. And in our troubles and our trials, it is not a weak thing to recognize that we need help. And this king was not showing weakness. He was showing leadership when he turned and said to the Lord, Our eyes are upon thee. He was supposed to know what to do, but he said, I have no idea. We're looking to the Lord. Dear believer, in our times of hardship, we may not know what to do. Let us look to the Lord. Let us turn our eyes upon him. Let us rest upon him. Let us have that firm belief in him. We know that he is our shelter. If we move back to Psalm 46, he is our shelter. We can think of that hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. The Lord is our hope. He's our place of refuge. Charles Wesley wrote these words, How happy then are we who build, O Lord, on thee. What can our foundation shock, though the shattered earth remove? Stands our city on a rock, on the rock of heavenly love. Speaking about the great foundation we ought to have, that foundation of the Lord. And how can God be our refuge because of who he is? Because he is the God of this world. He is the creator. He is the great sustainer. He is our savior. Our savior, he is also our strength. Martin Luther at the Diet of Vern said, here I stand, I can do no other. May God help me. Words that capture the strength that he had, not in himself, but in God. It was a strength that was given by God. Psalm 18 verse 32 tells us, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. And child of God, in trouble, God is our strength. God is our strength. We can find that sustenance through his word. We can have that peace as we pray to him and as we read his word and we're reminded of who he is to us. God is our comfort also. He is our comfort. He is that very present help. Notice that word help, God is our help. When we think of the Savior, the book of Hebrews speaks about the Savior who suffered temptation like us, who knows our infirmities. 
the Savior who loves us, the Savior who cares for us, the Savior who will not forsake us, the Savior who is the same yesterday and today and forever. Our great help, but he is also a present help. He's not far from us in trouble. He knows our trials. He knows our difficulties. He knows our heartaches. And the Scriptures are comforting in that they reveal to us a God who knows, a God who is present, a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. And when we think of God as our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, He is able to be these things to us. He has that power. He has that power. The Savior In Luke 12, verses 31 to 32, he says, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's our priority in view. We're not to focus as much on those troubles and trials. We're to look to Christ. We're to look to his kingdom. We're to seek his kingdom. We're to leave the trials and troubles in his hands. And then what does he say? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, how comforting that is. Christ is saying, don't fear the circumstances of Christ. And dear believer, there is no need to fear. Christ is in control. He is the glorious head of his church. He cares for us. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let us have that firm belief. This heading was entitled, Our Firm Belief in God. Not the preacher's firm belief in God, our firm belief, because it is supposed to be the belief of every Christian that God is these things to us. It is to be the experience of every Christian that God is these things to us. And then thirdly and finally, our unwavering reliance upon these truths. Our unwavering reliance upon these truths. When we think of these truths, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble— Verse 2 says, Therefore will not we fear. And that is vital. In this world there is much fear. The philosophy of this world is fear. Is fear. When we think of the recent pandemic, what was one of the philosophies we saw through that? Without being controversial in any of those issues, it's fear. People were scared. People were feared of what was going on and what they were hearing and what was happening. And they were acting upon fear. We walked into the store and we got too close to somebody else. They began to fear. And maybe they told us to move over or to walk away. Maybe that has happened uh, to you. There's fear. And yes, there can. We can act in fear and we can act in a way in which is good and righteous in that sense of preserving life, but we can act in fear in the sense that we fear something we ought not to fear. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. This great thing can come. The earth can be removed. Mountains can be carried into the midst of the sea. People will be scared. People will fear. But the Christian, the believer, the one who trusts the Lord— is not to fear because God is their refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And dear believer, tonight as we think on that, let us rely upon this. 
when we face trials and hardship, when we look at the future and we do not know what it holds, God knows. God knows. Therefore, will not we fear because God is in control. I haven't heard any reports that God has failed, that God is dead, that God does not exist as men will say. God is eternal. He is all-powerful. He is our God. He is alive. And therefore, He is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. We rely upon Him. We rely upon Him. Martin Luther said that we sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends His church and His Word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. So let us, when we read this, when we sing this, praise God because He's with us, preserving us, His people. Luther wrote in his Bible before he passed away four years before he died in Psalm 119, verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Let us delight in the Lord. Let us rely upon Him. And as we close, I want you to turn to John 13. We read those verses at the start of the service. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. The disciples were troubled. But the Savior's response to them was basically, don't be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. There's a great plan at work here. There's a great purpose. The purpose of God is at work here because the Savior was going to Calvary to die for His people, to give His life for His church. That is not something to be troubled about. And when we think of that, the Savior was going to be taken and crucified and buried, and they were troubled. But they did not look beyond the circumstances. And how devastating that was is their hearts were moved with grief and concern. But dear believer, they were to look at the glorious plan of God. He was going to die to be the way to salvation. He had this great plan, this great purpose in view, and the circumstances and difficulties we face are not to distract us from Christ and His plan. The disciples were to be united together, but they fled and betrayed and denied Christ. It was only later on they were united together. But let us place Christ first. Let us focus upon Him. Let us realize in all our trials He does have a plan. Let us believe in God. Let us believe in Him. Let us look to Him as our refuge, our strength, our very present, our very near help in trouble. May the Lord bless our few thoughts upon these things tonight. May He apply His Word to our hearts. May He indeed be that refuge, that help to us. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word tonight. We rejoice that Thou art our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. And Father, we do pray that 
we would continually look to Thee. Oh, how the world can come upon us, how there can be this fear, this concern, in every aspect of our lives, how it can bear down heavy upon us. But, Father, may we look to refuge in Thee. May we look to that strength in Thee. May in our time of weakness we receive that grace that is sufficient for us, that grace that in our weakness makes us strong. And, Father, we pray that Thou would meet our needs tonight, draw near to us. We do ask Thee that Thou would bless throughout this week, and Thou would bless next Lord's Day, bring our brother here in safety. Bless him, use him, we pray. And take us to our homes in safety this night. Be with us. Give us opportunities to serve Thee this week. And may the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide with us, both now and forevermore. Amen.